This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Friday morning break with me, Dr. Poppy Gibson. And I hope you've had a wonderful week. I am really excited because we have got two guests on the show today to talk about a nice topic for a change. We're going to be talking about how we make school fun. And just before I introduce our first guest, I just want to make it clear that I know we have listeners from all different backgrounds, some of you teaching in the early years, primary school, secondary college, or some of you like me teaching at university level. Um, so I want us to think really just how we make education fun. So our first guest, we're going to be talking about primary school. And later on today, our second guest will be focusing more with um, secondary and, and higher study. But I'm sure when we look back at our own school experience, we can really remember those things that were fun. I mean, we might also remember the things that weren't so fun, but what I want us to think about today is how we can really inspire our learners through doing things that are engaging, a little bit different, because one thing we all agree on, I'm sure, is that education is very much within boundaries sometimes and within boxes. And I think what's really exciting is the two people that are coming on the show today have thought about ways we can approach learning outside the box so without further ado i can see our first guest is here so uh good morning dave morning poppy how's things <laughs> so good i'm so happy you're here <laughs> yeah i was i was dead excited to get involved something a bit different very exciting very exciting so um we i've got a whole lo- load of questions for you this morning dave i hope that's okay <laughs> all good with me yeah bring it on um, and for those that know Dave, and I'll get him to introduce himself in a minute, you will know that he's done some very exciting and fun things with his learners and with his school. So I am just so happy that you're here with us on Teachers Talk Radio. So maybe before I, I jump in with my, my questions, Dave, can you tell us a bit about you, your background and your current role, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Dave McPartlin. I'm the head teacher at Fleet, Fleet Primary School. Uh, we're up in Fleetwood, um, relatively small town, 30,000 or so, but we're, we're just down the road from Blackpool. Um, we're a bit geographically isolated. We're, we're 50, 55% free school meals. Um, okay. So the, the, things are a little bit tough at the moment with the cost of living crisis and so on. Uh, but I absolutely love my school. Been here seven years, my second headship. Wow, um, wonderful. Yeah, I've been doing it a while. I was a bit young, my first headship, looking back, I think. Um, but yeah, um, just enjoying it. Um, love my school. We do lots of, like you've alluded to, we do lots of fun things, I think. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, so here we are. I don't know what you Here what, what, we are. I, yeah, I don't know what questions you got lined up. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but all very nice ones based on the exciting stuff that I've seen you and your school have been up to. Um, but I wondered, Dave, maybe before we, we talk about your school, have you got a particular fun memory from your own primary school experience that that you can remember if you cast your mind back? Oh, do you know what? Mine, mine, mine's nothing to do with school. I think my probably my best memory at school was because because I, I was a good lad. I was a bit of a swat. Um, <laughs> me, me and one of my mates, we were allowed to go to the post office to buy stamps and post mail, like just during oh. school day. Those were the days. Can you can you imagine now? Oh, you know, can you go, can you go pick a parcel that. up from every? Um, <laughs> not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same, but I might start doing it after today. But yeah, it's, it's just funny, like, it's, it's little things like that that you remember. It doesn't tend yeah. to be, or, or being allowed to, we tried to build a build a rocket out of a, a washing up, but, uh, you know, the, the tubey things. Um, yeah. And I remember just being given in the afternoon with Mr. Wilson, ah, you go and, go and do it. You know, it's, it's the daft things that you remember in many ways. I, think. I love that. But but even just from that post office story that you shared, like, I guess it's also thinking how you make children feel, isn't it? Like you obviously felt trusted. You felt that you were given some responsibility. And that I think that they're also ways we can make learning fun, aren't they? When we give children yeah. that autonomy and that agency. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's quite difficult in this, this world where health and safety sometimes feels like it's gone a little bit mad. And it is trying to figure out, you know, everything's got to be risk assessed within an inch of its life. And I think it's trying to be sensible um, and, and give, give, like you said, give children that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back, I've got, I've got three kids and, and over Christmas, my five-year-old, and my six-year-old, they wanted to cut the, the veg up. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, I should I be giving them sharp knives? But God, I've never seen them be so careful. 
Wow, um, I love and it, that. It was, you know, they, they were so quiet and, and took it really seriously. And I think there's a place for for a bit of risk taking, isn't there? As long as it's uh, as, as long as it's sensible. Um, and, and that's often when the um, when the relationships, um, you know, that, that's when you can grow and, and take relationships to a different place when you do show a bit of trust in them. I love that. I totally agree, Dave. And because um, I've got three children myself, so snap. <laughs> but I, I think you're right. I think it's also trying to think not just children, like they're just young adults. Like one day they will need these skills and they will need yeah. to cut vegetables. And so you're actually preparing them as, as well as, you know, in the moment they're, they're feeling that they're being trusted. But OK, let's get to school because we, we don't have that much time. We've got about half an hour with you and I have so many questions. Go on, let's do it. Um, so maybe I know you, you've touched a bit on kind of your school demographic around free school meals, but maybe could you just let, let's just start off. Tell us a bit more about your school um, and maybe Again, I know you hinted a little bit about those challenges, but what really are these biggest um, challenges facing your school and community? I think at, at the minute, um, you know, it, it's not just even though we've got 55 percent free school meals. I think everybody's been affected by the, the cost of living, you know, everything, you know, whether you've got a big house, a little house, rented, bought, everything's gone up in, in value. So if you do have a, a big house, mortgage probably gone up a, a, a lot more. Everyone's just a bit stressed, you know, they're worried mm-hmm. about how they're paying for things when we're going to come through the other side. Um, yeah. But the, the real, you know, we've got some families who are really living in poverty. They reckon one in three kids in Fleetwood lives in poverty and that that was pre-COVID days wow. so I dread wow. to think what it's like now and and I think it's when you see it firsthand you know I've been in a couple of um a couple of houses fairly recently and I don't think they'd mind me saying but you know some of them they don't have carpet on the floor they, they you know the, the, the buildings are not in great condition we, we've had children you know, begging for food um and, and I feel like I'm, I'm kind of revealed to it but that, that's the level of in desperation some of our families are feeling at the moment it's one thing seeing it on some gritty BBC iPlayer drama but when you're seeing it firsthand and the, the toll that it takes on families no wonder some of some of our kids are struggling wow. when when life is feeling really really tough at the minute Exactly. And I guess even more reason then that we need to make sure our classrooms are nurturing and fun and engaging right yeah, absolutely. For, for some of our kids, life is so stressful. You know, you might not have a car, you might not be able to get about, you might not know where the next couple of quid for your your, your electricity or your gas is coming from. So yeah. school has to be really, um, you, you, I guess it, it's, it's an oasis of calm, somewhere that they feel safe, they feel secure, that even when they mess up and they, they inevitably do things wrong or make mistakes like kids do, that we're with them, we've got that relate, and, that, and that's kind of what underpins everything that goes on here is the relational approach to behavior. That, that relationship that we have with the children, the families is absolutely essential. I think we're way above and beyond everything else, to be totally honest. That's so interesting. Do you know what? Yesterday with our students, Dave, um, as you know, I lecture on primary education degrees, and we were looking at the teachers' standards. And um, we were looking through, obviously, you've got the, the eight teacher standards in part one, all about, you know, assessment and everything. And then we were really focusing on that part two and how actually as a teacher, your role is so much bigger than just teaching content, isn't it? And that part two yeah. was all about safeguarding and ethics and being a professional. And so I totally agree with what you're saying. It's just really interesting you're bringing this up because this is really what I was trying to say to our students. Like when you go into teaching, you're not just teaching a maths lesson like it's the stuff around that that matters right yeah I, I mean you, you've got kids I, I, I see the children in the building more than I see my own but you know it's a cliche <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a cliche but we are a family we do care about them and we need to be there when when we're inevitably having to pick up the pieces um, but you've, you've got to get that relationship in place and it's got to be genuine as well you know don't do this whole um, I, I'm a teacher you respect me type thing you know i think that's really outdated these days and um, that that respect is earned yeah i, I honestly we've, we've we've we're at 18 months down the relational approach to behavior and so mm-hmm. for some it really challenged them but it, by me you know by goodness it's, it's really working now we're really seeing results wonderful okay so let's talk about then uh, let's go into this a little bit deeper so it sounds like you're doing some great stuff One thing I saw you've been doing is opening your own school coffee shop. Could you maybe yeah. tell us like how did that come about uh, and what is, impact you're hoping to see with this? 
do you know we've we've done some daft things at school you know britain's got talent going for christmas number one but this, oh wow like, we'll have to this, ask you more about that <laughs> um but but this this was a this is like our, our uniform literally says dare to dream on the front of it um you know trying to address aspirations over the last couple of years and for for a long time i've really liked the idea of a community hub coffee shop um where we think that we do a great job within school i think mm-hmm. most schools do but a lot of the issues that our children and families are facing are on an evening they're on a weekend it might be mental health loneliness financial problems and and i really like the idea of all these you know groups agencies charities that can make a difference all being based under one excuse me uh all being based under one roof and and that's what that's we're doing true. i went looking for a bit of funding found way more funding than i was expecting and we've now got um next week we'll be starting um the renovation of our children's center at the back to this swish coffee shop we'll, get, we'll have our wow. PCSOs based in there um housing social services um, well, what's the coffee shop going to be stuff. called dave it's going to be called strive um and it was interesting I asked the kids in assembly last week when we revealed the name of it, what the word strive meant. And, and one child out of 400 nod, because we're too far men, she put his hand up and he did know. And I think part, part of the, the thinking is we want to get it into the vocabulary. Yes, you got to dare to drive, uh, dare to drive, dare to dream, but you got to strive for success. You got to strive for achievement. You got to keep going. Um, so it was deliberately chosen, you know, this building will help people to strive, to get back into work, to, to get fit, get healthy, maybe make new friends. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's, uh, we did our coffee tasting last week. We've been doing our, wow. our home decor research at Ikea, but it's going to be lovely. It's going to be really nice cake. Really so nice who's serving coffee. the coffee? Who have you got behind the bar? Uh, we've got, well, that's proven to be the hardest challenge really, like staffing it. We've already got a, a family support worker, pastoral support manager, nurt, three nurture staff and a, and a dog. You know, we've got the staff <laughs> supporting our families already, but mm-hmm. we need to figure out how it's actually going to work over there. We've got quite a decent pot of money to, to pay for the staffing for, for the next four years. But we're just trying to figure out, like, working around breaks and when it's going to be busy and things like that. But it, it'll be an extension of what we've got already. We've got a brilliant offering for families but this is just it taking it to a, to a whole different place. It's so innovative. And who doesn't enjoy a nice hot drink? This is just a great idea. Exactly. <laughs> Bringing Proper everyone together. Well. Proper coffee. Uh, yeah, watch out all those big competitors out there. Strive is coming. <laughs> yeah, well do, well, do you know what, what's been really nice? One of our ex-pupils, uh, Rupert, um, he's, he's one of the national managers for Cafe Nero. And they've been really supportive. They're letting us have a load of free furniture. They're doing the trade, barista training. You know, so we can get our parents trained up to be professional baristas. Wow, that's um, wonderful. You know, get them involved as much as we can. That's brilliant. Wow, thank you so much for showing, sharing that with us. That just shows, you know, again, not only are we not just teachers, but school is not just school. Like, school can have a coffee shop. Yeah, <laughs> You're just breaking not? down all, all the barriers. I love it so much. It's <laughs> nice to be disruptive. I have a feeling that you're probably a bit disruptive as well, Poppy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. Yeah, I'm convinced. <laughs> um, but you know what? That leads me to my next question. So this is, you know, this is quite good because you clearly sound like a big dreamer. You're telling your children dare to dream, but dreaming and making dreams reality can be exhausting, right? And yeah, so I wanted to ask you about the big word well-being because you sound like your school is a really busy, fantastic place to be. But how? How do you, as a head teacher, how do you go about trying to balance staff well-being and school improvement? Because this sounds like maybe a bit of a tension. I think it's a, it's an impossible tension, to, to be totally honest. We're, we're very much, it'll be five years since Ofsted came in, um, in in July. And trying to balance the, the well-being with, with moving the school forward can feel like an impossible task at times. And when you've got adults feeling the cost of living crisis, members of staff feeling it, trying to then put more pressure on by by moving things forward. Because inevitably in every job, there's got to be pressure and stress from time to time. It, it can feel, it can feel something, you know, insurmountable, that those challenges. But I think I think part of it is that it's the culture that we create. Um, we're very much all about psychological safety, you know, being able to take risks on any mistakes, challenging the status quo. So, so I think the culture mm-hmm. that we've created is really good. We, we've, we've had, very few staff of the hundred leave in the last six years. You know, I think three. Oh, that's left. a good so, sign. Yeah, I always think that. I'm really proud of that. Um, I've been here seven years, and, and hardly anybody's left, which, I, which I'm proud of. 
Um, but but it is, it's, it's listening to staff. I think we do a lot of work with a, an education. It's not an educational psychologist, it's a psychologist. Um, we've done a lot of work on knowing ourselves, knowing others, team dynamics, things like that. We've got the shared understanding of vocabulary. So it's just listening. I like to say good morning to everybody every day, see everybody check in. But it, it does okay. feel particularly tough at the minute. Wow, so it sounds like a very busy seven years. Um, what's been, the, what's kind of had the biggest am, impact on you as a leader in that seven years, Dave? Um, probably the the spotlight profiles that we do, which is what I've just alluded to. This, the, this, the work that we've done on mindset and behaviour, and mm-hmm. just knowing myself. No, I'm, I'm I'm quite outgoing. I'm, I'm probably quite not outspoken. Um, I, I, I find it hard to keep my mouth shut, um, <laughs> which I reckon you definitely have. <laughs> um, but in a good way, in a good, and and I think part of it is recognizing that not everybody is wired the same as me, and some people are a bit more mm-hmm. risk averse. You know, some people like to be a bit more organized. You know, being organized doesn't come naturally to me, and just just appreciating that that we're all different, and and that actually I want that. You know, School of Dave's wouldn't work. It'd probably be a really fun place, but you know, we need to get <laughs> a bit more done. And and I think just just appreciating that that say so that voice in the staff room who in the past could come across as being a bit negative actually they're just risk averse they're prudent they don't want it to go wrong they want to ask questions they want to pick it apart and make sure that it works so I I guess it's just that that knowledge of self and and of others that that, that's been the game changer for me it's amazing that sounds so impactful and I think I think you're right though when we think how we're wired as humans you know back to our Neanderthal days where we we were constantly in that you know series of alertness and readiness i think now some educators are quite happy when things are peaceful and not changing because we've lived yeah. through millions of years of be, being worried about the next thing that's coming so I, I do understand sometimes educators can be worried about change but i think that's what's really cool when we get a visionary head like yourself because things you know society is changing the world is changing things are changing all the time so i do think we need to change as a result right yeah i mean you're working um, with your students and, and uh, the world has just changed so quickly, particularly mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. You know, you, I don't know if you've, you've come, heard of that chat GBT, you know, the uh, oh, yes. uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence. But I've been messing around with that. You know, that, that didn't exist two, two or three months ago. And, and I mm-hmm. think changing things in education can be so, you know, it's so difficult. It can take such a long time, you know, turning in an oil tanker is a good analogy, but it's probably much harder than that. I actually think when, when COVID kicked in, we all had to reinvent schools overnight. Look at how flexible and how quick we were to adapt and do what was right for our communities. And in many ways, I liked that freedom. It was liberating. Mm-hmm. We weren't worried about Ofsted coming in and, and we were all free to go in the direction that we thought was best for our kids and community. And, and I kind of liked that. I wish we could have hung on to a bit, a bit more of that, if I'm honest. It sounds like you are. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) You're still going. So I've got to be honest, the main thing that I know our listeners want to talk about today is the very cool thing you did where you had an attempt at Christmas number one. And am I right that you got a golden buzzer on Britain's Got Talent? Is that right? Wow. Tell us all about this, please. We want to hear all about it. Well, basically, we came up with this dreams list in school. Um, the whole idea was I wanted everyone to, to, to you know, to, to talk about dreams. You know, it's one of those things where if, if I said to you, you know, what's your dream? You know, you might tell me truthfully, but some people that you've got that filter, you know, what my family going to say? Can I afford it? Is it ridiculous? You know, kind of working class lad from up north. Can you do that? And the whole idea was we wanted our children to just think about what it meant to dream, to have these big audacious goals and, and we came up with a list of 420 of them up in the staff room uh, and over a course of six eight months we, we tried to tick off as many as we could we we fed the mm-hmm. homeless some of the kids were princesses um some of them you know we had kids driving around in sports cars on the estate we had aston martins we had wow. kids flying around in her, you know all, nothing was off the table you know <laughs> one of, even, even one of them wanted to go a couple of them wanted to go skydiving we found an indoor skydiving place in Manchester. We took them there. What, and they and, did and, it? Some children yeah, went skydiving? Yeah, 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 they did it. And, You're and blowing my mind, Dave. It, it, but, but when you look at these things, you might not be able to go actual skydiving, but we could find somewhere where the wind blew them up in the air. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just carte blanche to, 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 you know, to dare, to dream, to, to think big, to get carried away. And one of the things was we went for Christmas number one, which we got completely carried. I mean, we, we literally... 
we doorstepped Chris Evans. We turned up in central <laughs> London in the middle of the night. Literally took us up to dressed as elves. Took took us up the studio. Then how, how many week, children? How many children did three, you? Three took three to that one. Um, oh. Staff thought I'd, I took staff kids middle of the night, set off one o'clock in the morning. Thought I'd lost the plot, but we actually <laughs> found him. Then we found Phil Schofield. So buoyed by that success, somebody donated us a battle bus that took us around Liverpool, Manchester. Wow. I toured all my old schools in the northeast. But we literally went down to Good Morning Britain in this morning studios, middle of the night, pitch black, freezing cold, singing to them. They ended up taking us into the studios. They were going to put us on 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 on, and then Theresa May quit. Um, had a leadership contest, so we didn't make it on. But just all oh. these daft things happened. We had a plane flying around with a banner on the back of it, flake fleet for number one. We <laughs> had parents gosh. giving out uh, flies all over the country. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was amazing. And and that was all from like a Incredible. death idea where we write our own song. And then, and then Britain's Got Talent, we we got offered an audition, just wanted the kids to meet Ant and Deck, to, to, to sit there on a Saturday night with the takeaway and watch themselves back on telly. And that was the goal. That was it. Literally, you know, most of our kids had never been to Manchester. I just wanted like a fun, mad trip out. And anyway, we, we did a daft little performance. And the next thing you know, the crowd are pressing, uh, shouting, press the gold. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm crying my eyes out by this point, thinking that's never happened. The next thing wow. you know, we've got a golden buzzer and, you know, our 55 kids, 55% wow. free. So, oh you know, six nights, all expenses paid in central London, living the dream. Okay, photo shoot on all the TV channels. It was just, it was ridiculous. It's it was incredible. absolutely. David David Williams came to school in his helicopter, landed on the field. What? In assembly. Yeah. <laughs> oh then, but, but, the, but, you know, there'll be loads of people watching thinking, God, we, we, we're better than that choir. And they were, oh. you know, they probably were, but we, we didn't take ourselves too seriously. We had a laugh. We, we, we just went for it. And, and I guess my point is with, with parents, staff, community, you, anybody is, if you've got a dream, how many of us ever regret giving it a go? You're never going to regret giving it a go. You're proud of the fact that you've, you've, mm-hmm. you've stepped up. Um, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a well, mad I mean, you've definitely years. stepped up. I don't, I don't think anyone can disagree that that was yeah. not stepped up. And can I, I just want, I don't know if you can see the chat, Dave, but we've got um, Ken who's listening who said, um, you're inspiring. I want to be Dave when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Kind. Thanks, Ken. I don't. I don't touch my phone. Phone, to be honest, in case I, I, I turn myself off. <laughs> I can see them now. I can see them. Hi, Ken. Yeah, wonderful. Wow, so so inspiring. And so I can see how then this links to the the Dare to Dream um, logo on the front of your uniform. What what impact do you think this is having on your pupils? These things. What do you, what's the purpose? The pupils and parents. I think. I, I, I think everybody is just a bit more confident at giving things a go. Um, you know, after, after we've done some of these things, I know parents suddenly said that they, they'd started travelling to, to places they wouldn't have gone in the past or signed up for driving lessons or when they got involved in the Christmas, number one, they did a lot of marketing and they ended up going out to get jobs on the back of that because their confidence had grown or they, you know, they, they'd made yeah. friends. Um, now, like we did a, a COVID nativity a couple of years back. David Williams narrated it. We sent some cheeky messages. Phil and Holly did a little video, Amanda Holden, you know, all sorts of wow. you know, cool people. Um, and we asked the kids to audition to be in our COVID nativity. And I'm literally not exaggerating that the entire year group of 60, every single child auditioned, which we never used to have. You know, they, they stood in front of us. They, they, they did a bit of acting. And I think... Now they know when we give something a go, you know, we really do do it properly. You know, like we do Flake Fest on the field. We hire a huge stage. <laughs> I love it, Flake huge Fest. Stage, huge stage, 1,500 people, remote control fireworks on the roof, pit barriers, security guards. And our kids get to perform on that stage. We get, you know, we've had Honey G and all sorts of random acts come and perform. <laughs> and, and, and lots of people thought we'd lost the plot, but the reality is it was dead easy. You got 1,500 people paying a couple of quid each and put a pretty good show for that. You know, I, I just think anybody listening, just wow. if you're going to do something, do it properly. What would it look like if you turn the dial up to max, turn up to 10 and you get a bit carried away? What might that look like? Wow, I love that. I, I'm sure all our listeners, uh, whether you're listening live or on the podcast, will feel inspired by this. So you've heard it from Dave, turn the dial up to max. <laughs> that's yeah, our new ambition do it. for 2023. That's so, that's so exciting. So it's bringing bring me just time for our last question. I'm almost, I'll be honest, Dave, I'm almost worried to ask you this last question because I, I feel I'm going to open a can of worms. Go on. But I want to ask, what is next? for you 
and your school flake fleet uh, what is coming next? um i think well, have you done everything <laughs> no, no god no god no <laughs> do, do, do you know do you know what? i'll let you in a secret poppy what one of what, what i like to do i like the idea of it. one christmas we we take our kids off to like hollywood and film like our nativity somewhere somewhere absolutely ridiculous or you know mm. i don't know just daft stuff um i i, I don't know the, the, for, for me i'm not going anywhere i absolutely love my school i'm lucky that I get out and about speaking at different things and meeting all sorts of amazing people. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the coffee shop at the minute, that is, I mean, the, the, the level that we're going to take it to is just, you know, it's unheard of really. You know, I'm so lucky that we, we managed to secure this funding, no strings attached. We can do what we want, get all these agencies involved, get, you know, really change lives. It's such a cliche, but all, everybody working with kids, you're changing lives and communities. And I think we forget that too easy, but that that's the next bit, you know, what, what can we do? when everybody else really gets involved and you know you know I don't know I'm just excited by that I guess so exciting yeah obviously the impending coffee shop did you say that's next week opening we start next no start next week um we start oh, with the in. conversion of the yeah the start with the conversion okay, next okay. week when are you hoping um, for the launch uh June half term I think um is it open for the public yeah, yeah. Can I come grab a hot chocolate? You, you are. I mean, where are you based, Poppy? I have a feeling you're quite far away. Well, I'm in London, but I mean, for for the right hot chocolate, I will travel. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you to come and speak or something. We'll tie it into something else. Uh, yeah, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Very cool. And if it's okay, um, if you're happy to, Dave, if people, um, any educators listening who felt inspired, um, are you happy for people to? follow you yeah reach you, out send us a message what's yeah, the place where you're happy for listeners to contact you uh twitter dave underscore mcpartland i'll just brilliant flake tweet fantastic uh, i know yeah, i know a lot it, of people it, are, are on twitter that are listening so hopefully they'll find you through the teachers talk radio link anyway yeah anybody who's on the same page get in touch <laughs> amazing well i just want to say just thank you for for all you're doing i wish that you'd been my head teacher oh, that's um, very kind. Thank you. And, and my students you know the amount of students that i was talking to yesterday and and we were thinking back to inspiring teachers from when they were at school and and some really stand out but but not all do and not all leaders do so it's actually really refreshing to hear from a leader that is so passionate and but just such a dreamer i just think you are really inspiring. You are like making change and inspiring on a daily basis. So, and you've inspired me. So <laughs> I'm well, just so grateful for your time today. Now, if you ever want me to speak to the students, uh, count me in. I just think it's, uh, we need to look after our students, though. And I get the impression that you're very much doing that. So you keep doing what you're doing as well. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to take you up on that. Hopefully yeah, you're coming to Anglia Ruskin very soon. <laughs> count me in, count me in. Thank you, Dave. I um, I wish you a wonderful weekend. Do try and rest after all this hard work you're doing uh, in school, thanks please. Thanks, Poppy. <laughs> take care, Dave. Later, uh, and look after yourself. Um, we're now going to go over for our news. So in about eight minutes time, do come back when we will be joined by our second guest and educator, Ken Powell. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Christian Institute website carries a story on the reminder by Minister of State for Schools, Nick Gibb, that schools in England have a duty to remain politically impartial in their teaching and extracurricular activities. The guidance was published last year. But Mr Gibb was responding to MP Miriam Cates' references to a YouGov poll, which appears to reveal that the majority of UK children are being taught political ideology as fact. And he issued the reminder. Ms Cates was referencing a view that children are being taught that they can be born in the wrong body, as well as resources being used in schools which focus on the topic of gender identity. The DfE guidance comes as Scotland attempts to introduce new legislation on gender recognition, which is opposed by Westminster. 
The guidance states that schools should not under any circumstances work with or use materials produced by external agencies that take extreme political positions. The Varsity website reports on findings by a right-wing think tank that elite universities were more likely to use progressive terminology on their websites. Cambridge tops the table in the Radical Progressive University Guide, although the think tank Civitas does not appear to see this as a positive. Varsity highlights comments reported in the Daily Mail, which warned that half of our universities peddle their woke agenda to students. The think tank generated the findings after exploring university websites and news reports, looking for a series of key phrases including trigger warning, white privilege and anti-racism. Those with high incidences of key phrases were at the top of the table. Varsity acknowledges a view that Cambridge's political culture is to the left of the national one, but also highlights key figures in academia who fe feature prominently in the conservative press. It's hard to stay away from politics as announcements of strikes continued late last week. The TES reports on the continued deadlock in Scotland, whilst the Evening Standard covers talks between ministers and unions in England after the NEU confirmed strike dates for the coming weeks and months. These strikes impact schools in England and Wales, although the BBC further reports on talks in Wales. Its news website reports that teachers and school leaders have been offered a one-off payment by the Welsh Government, similar to that offered to health workers, although unions have already said that the offer is not enough. Scottish media outlets have also carried a story about what it describes as fears about violence in schools. A clip now widely shared on social media shows an altercation between two students and that took place on the same day a male pupil was left unconscious following an assault. Whilst Police Scotland have said it's investigating both incidents, it has sparked debate on the state of behaviour in schools, particularly as such incidents have featured in headlines before. The Scottish Government has previously stated they're investing an additional £15 million this year to enhance capacity to effectively meet the needs of young people and that they were very clear that violence is unacceptable. In further political news, the petition put forward by three men known as the Three Dads Walking will go to Parliament. The men who all lost daughters to suicide want to get suicide prevention on the school curriculum. The petition they set up now has more than 155,000 signatures, which means that it will be discussed in Parliament after previously failing to be heard. Finally, more than 20,000 defibrillators will be sent to almost 18,000 state-funded schools by the end of the academic year. It comes after the government committed to ensuring there was a device in every school last year. The rollout comes after campaigning from the Oliver King Foundation and its founder Mark King, whose son died at 12 from a cardiac arrest while swimming at school. Guidance to support schools has been created, including awareness videos. And Education Secretary Gillian Keegan praised the work of the Oliver King Foundation and described the rollout as a huge milestone. Mr King stated, defibrillators save lives, and that he hoped that families do not have to suffer the heartbreak of unnecessarily losing a child. This is for our Ollie. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, a while ago I asked you what is your go-to piece of tech? This week I had the pleasure of talking to Ian Kenyon, CEO of Wirral Respite and Alternative Provision, also known as RAP for short. So, Ian, what is your go-to piece of tech in your setting? Thanks, Steve. In our organisation, we are absolutely embedded in sharing our information and our data via the cloud. And there's loads of software out there to do it. And there's a lot of bespoke software for our type of organisation, student information management services, uh, the likes of Sims or Arbor or, or, or things like that. But unfortunately, they're all built around big organisations, big schools, uh, schools with up to 1,200 students. Certainly not for schools that have a turnaround of students who are completing courses in 12 weeks and those students who are potentially returning but require new files we've tried proprietary software it's very very expensive but actually what we've 
fallen back to is what Google provides. Uh, using G Suite, which is now Google Workplace, we have access to spreadsheets, to um, form filling uh, software for for data collection, uh, Google Docs, which is you're very familiar with everything via traditional Microsoft offices. Being able to link Docs uh, and Sheets and Forms together has been almost transformational for our organization. It's not the cheapest. Uh, I will say the per user price matches uh, what other software like Zoho or, or Microsoft will do, um, but offers a simpler version for us um, and offers us some interactivity that we've never had before. It handles our email, it handles our, our, our student information, so gathering attendance, it handles our finance, uh, so invoicing. Um, the, the, the way that the suite works, the way that the package works, just works really well for us. But with very little additional investment in time, effort and training, um, Google offers us everything that we need. The final sort of element that, that has been transformational for us is then being able to use proprietary hardware such as Chromebooks or even Android phones and the ability for us to then transfer our data and, and to, to be live in the cloud at all times has been uh, a really good thing for our organization. So there you have it, my number one go-to. It's definitely got to be Google Workplace. Thank you, Ian. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Do you have a go-to piece of tech? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So welcome back and great to see so many live listeners and even for those of you listening back on the podcast, welcome to the Friday morning break here on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Poppy Gibson. And thank you so much to Dave, head teacher who joined us before the break. And now we're back with a brand new shiny second guest, Ken Powell. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can perfectly. That's fantastic. I, I have been so nervous thinking this is just <laughs> not going to work. The mic won't work or things like that. And then I'll go to, go to pieces so fast I get you get hit by shrapnel. Oh. No, welcome. It's all working. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my world. That's literally my daily stress is will the microphone work? But you're here. We can hear you perfectly. And we are just so excited to ask you today about how we make learning fun. Um, so maybe you can just start, Ken, tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your background, and then I've got an icebreaker question for you. Okay, that sounds cool. But first of all, I just have to say, I really should have been on first, because how the heck do you <laughs> follow Dave? He's just incredible. So Wasn't he amazing? Energy. Yeah, it's just like that. It's so intimate. Well, it would be intimate if he wasn't such a lovely guy. He's so, he's so nice, isn't he? <laughs> So, well, yeah. Ken, I only have great guests, as I said to you, <laughs> so please do not feel intimidated. Dave was inspiring, <laughs> and I know you're here to inspire us too. So tell us a, a bit about, about you, your background, and, and your links to education, please. Okay, so, well, I mean, I've been in the games. I've been teaching since 1992, um, originally in music, but I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, so I've got uh, qualifications and things in various different areas, and I've ended up teaching all sorts of different subjects. Um, so I, I started off down in down in Cambridge, uh, where I did my uh, first two or three degrees, and um, uh, uh, taught in a, a school uh, there. Did my uh, teacher training with Cambridge University, um, and then moved up to Cumbria, which is where I am now and have been uh, sort of for the last uh, twenty three years, um, and uh, became a deputy head of music uh, at a, a local school here. Had eight wonderful years there. Um, which were just wonderful. Like Dave was saying with, with his school, uh, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave there either. Oh. Um, but my family kind of got called um, uh, to go right over to the other side of the world. And we ended up in Bangladesh. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I, I ended up... <laughs> as you um, do. <laughs> as you do, yeah. You know, just a casual thing. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's do that for a change. Um, and um, yeah, my, my wife and I took our, our kids uh, over to, to Bangladesh, uh, where I uh, taught uh, O-level uh, subjects and uh, trained teachers in teaching O-level subjects for an English medium school in uh, a, a real kind of uh, rural uh, backwater place, really, where, where it, it's just about as poor as you get. Um, and it was part of a, a medical NGO called LAM. Uh, that was out there. My, my wife uh, ran the rehab centre, which was part of the hospital there. And, wow. um, and I, yes, I trained, trained uh, staff and, uh, and taught students a whole range of different subjects. 
Uh, and we did that for a, a, a wonderful five or six years. That, again, was just absolutely wonderful, just life-changing. And we finally came back to Cumbria in uh, 2014. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've been here in, in sunny St. Bees uh, ever since, where uh, I'm not in the classroom any longer. I go into other people's classrooms around the world. I, I give some advice to, to schools, particularly in Asia, and, and most of all in Bangladesh, where we've, we've kept that connection um, wow. going. Um, and, uh, and I help teachers to just improve their, their teaching practice there. Um, and for the rest of the time, uh, when I'm not writing books, I'm, uh, um, I'm a private tutor, uh, which is mostly online, although I do have a few face-to-face students. Uh, but I spend most of my time sitting at a computer, looking at somebody, trying to help them do maths or psychology or English or various <laughs> different subjects. Wow. Oh, my gosh, Ken. Now I feel intimidated. What an <laughs> educational and geographical background that's incredible wow we have so much to talk about <laughs> um but maybe so so just a bit of an icebreaker before i really start to talk to you about education um wow you you've taught so many things in so many places can you tell me from a teacher's perspective the most fun lesson or one of the most fun lessons you can remember teaching um well well gosh now you see that that that's difficult because uh, when i was teaching the classroom all the time i i always used to used to say to my wife um if i've had a bad lesson i know it's a bad lesson if i haven't made the class uh, laugh hysterically at least once <laughs> oh uh, i love that and it, uh, other other teachers used to say they always knew if i was in in the school at the time uh, teaching because they, they they knew exactly where i was because that was the room where there was just huge guffaws of laughter just roars of laughter going on but i think probably the uh, the, the the funniest lesson that i was ever involved with was uh, it was in bangladesh and it was so funny you know when you talk about uh, you know it was so funny you 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 fell off your chair well a student <laughs> yeah. a student actually did he he just he's just got married recently i just seen it many years ago now but i just remember it so clearly he just he was laughing so hard he just keeled over to the side and <laughs> collapsed on the floor and it was a- absolutely hilarious and that i thought that, that was that just had a me phrase. rolling uh, so did Ow. i up until that time and it was just very very funny that so we were and and believe it or not this was uh, a GCSE chemistry lesson when that happened right that that, that was the thing a a chemistry lesson like not not known for it it's kind of like a a humor kind of moments really (laughs) no not something I would think of uh Wow, I love that. So making making your learners laugh, I think that's a really lovely thing that shows, yeah, that they're, they're having fun, they're engaging. I mean, hopefully laughing with you, Ken, not at you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm fine with both, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your experience in Bangladesh as well. Sounds incredible. Um, so particularly, the first question I want to ask you then, especially with your almost global perspective there, I guess, what is the purpose of education? Yeah, it's a very good question, and and in some ways, I call myself an anti-educationalist because uh, I've always I've struggled, especially you know in the in the early two thousands, where there was a real drive in schools to be pushing kids beyond certain grade boundaries, particularly in, in the core subjects, the uh, you know English and maths and so on, um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to those who were kind of get the, at working at about of a D grade level back in back in the days when it was it was letter grades rather than one to nine, um, and to try and push them into that C grade. And there was a lot of me sort of saying, why are we doing this? Because very often the, the, the emphasis was on, you know, get that education in there, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. And that was very much just kind of um, removing the, the fun of learning, uh, I, I think, from um, uh, uh, from the, the whole classroom experience. You know, there were kids who just were coming into my classroom feeling really stressed and miserable because the, you know, the pressure that was being put on them um, in their in their various other subjects. Um, and it was, uh, and and I noticed that that was that was quite a tricky thing. Now it was a very different teaching in Bangladesh where you literally had students who were doing their homework by candlelight in a mud hut, wow. uh, you know, uh, where they were living and, uh, you know, to, to, to get their homework for various you know, subjects done. Um, and for them, education really meant um, uh, the possibility to go into careers that would 
transform not just their lives but their their family lives because they would you know they would go off to the cities or even across across the world once they got degrees and things like that and send money back to their villages um mm-hmm. you know and and make a, a real impactful difference in the lives of their families and their friends and their neighbors and and so on and so forth um as well as of course you know experiencing uh, you know wonderful things that uh, that the modern world has has to offer uh, and a real contrast between those two things. And I just find myself thinking education should be about enabling somebody to be the best person they can be um, and to yeah, enjoy that. that process in, in, in getting there. Not a case of factory farming students to produce certain qualifications that has been demanded they must get and making their lives miserable and making sure that they never darken the doors of education ever again once they've left at 16 (laughs) or 18 or whatever. Yeah, I love that. Wow, I love what you're saying there, Ken. Be the best person they can be. I totally agree. Education should be a doorway, right? Not just, Mm. I I love that reflection there on how education really was that doorway to a better future for many of those students for you in Bangladesh for their families but but also exactly as you say I totally agree about a doorway to being a better you and a, a, a you that understands yourself and is content with yourself and can, yeah. can do better and bigger things in the world whatever those might look like and and also what you're saying there it shouldn't just be about that academic side should it no, I mean, I mean, you know, all my students have always been academic. They've always done kind of the, the GCSEs and the A-levels and things like that. That's the kind of the level that I'm working at. Um, but it should be about kind of like coming away sort of saying, you know what, I actually really enjoyed that. It isn't just about getting that A-level or, you know, getting that maths qualification and things like that. You know, they, they have their place, of course, that's important. Um, but it is about the, uh, the I want to build lifelong learners because uh, mm-hmm. that's what I am. Um, and I think if you do that, to a certain extent, somebody can then really um, own their own education. And I'm very much into the idea of students owning their education and, I and, love and taking their own direction with that. But you can only do that if you're inspiring and making things fun, making it interesting and making them come away sort of saying, yeah, you know what, I didn't want that to end. OK, let me let me play devil's advocate here, <laughs> because I like what you're saying. But if I think back to you know, many years ago, doing my GCSEs, doing my A-levels, I certainly think my teacher's viewpoints were, you just need to learn how to do this exam in the way it needs to be done to be graded well. And you just need to do it that way. And I just remember lots of mock exam papers and dry questions. So I guess my question for you then is, should education be fun? Because I know the theme for today's show is, you know, how do you make education fun? But but should it actually be fun at those higher levels like GCSE and A-levels? Or, or should, is fun more, you know, has Dave, our previous guest, has he got it easier because he's in the primary school? Can we make GCSE and A-levels fun? And should well, we? <laughs> I mean, first of all, he, he def- Dave definitely doesn't have it a, a, a easier. Primary school teaching, my goodness, there's so much energy that's needed in that. You know, the, 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 I, I, I did some training in, in primary school stuff and it was the most uh, physically um, shattering stuff I think I've ever done. So, uh, no, it's definitely not, not, not easier uh, for Dave. And I think what he's doing is really important because that, you know, uh, from my point of view, I'm getting 11-year-olds coming in, you know, at, uh, in the year sevens coming in um, and they're coming straight out of the junior schools and everything and they're still hopefully full of fun still excited mm-hmm. about being in school and about learning at that point and that's only going to be the case for as long as you've got the daves in this world who are who are making their schools just wonderful places to be and that sets up the future uh, from there on in at my level uh, i've always felt you, you try to keep that going what's important about fun is that we all do better when things are fun Mm-hmm. You know, we do better in the workplace if we enjoy being with our work colleagues and you can have a laugh and, you, you know, you know have, a, have a crack, as we say up here. You can have a, you know, gossip about things and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, have, a, have a joke at each other uh, or about things that are going on and sharing your experience and having a bit of fun. And if you think about it, uh, this is a well-known psychology uh, principle. Um, you know, our, the, the things that we remember from our childhood and things like that, 
they they're usually the most emotional things that happen now sometimes that can be real trauma you know something that's really bad that's happened you always remember you know i i remember one of my favorite teachers taking my digital watch off me because i wouldn't stop looking at it, it was the first time i'd ever had a watch since i junior school no i loved her so she was forgiven but i remembered that thing because it was like no why would she do that to me you know yeah. and, and and of course we can all have those traumas but the other things we remember are those great times those fun times you know when you get together with your friends and they you know that you've known for years and they say oh do you remember when we did such and such thing and it's suddenly all those memories come back oh yeah i remember when we did that no it was really crazy and we yeah, had all that kind of fun. And, and these memories are really strong and they uh, and they have a, a huge impact on you because you enjoyed it you you had you, you know it, it was it, it was it was fun it was enjoyable it, you you laughed mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. things stick in your memory and it's well known that that you know that that you know the neurons fire and wire uh, so much better when there's a emotional activity uh, going on in that way so let's make it positive uh, emotion no one remembers their dry boring dull <laughs> lessons that they had and who cares less about that but people do remember those inspiring teachers who interested them who uh, who made them laugh who, who did things that were weird and strange and those are the things that we remember um, and so, yeah, it doesn't get in the way of learning. You know, all my students mm -hmm. learn. In fact, you know, my my uh, uh, third book, which is all about um, memory aids and revising, it's called uh, Try Not to Laugh. Um, and the idea is is actually to really kind of supercharge the memory and be able to memorize things in very efficient ways. And mm -hmm. you deliberately using fun to do that. Um, but it's the whole idea is to come up with um, crazy, bizarre images that then stick in your head because they are so strange. Also, oh, like triggers, trauma. like triggers. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I love so, that. So, so learning can be fun at any age is what you're trying yeah. to say to us, Ken. Yeah, well, absolutely. And more to the point, it should be. It should be. It actually is going to, it's going to improve our memory and help us to be able to pass those exams. Mm -hmm. um, I've, got, I've got to pick up something you mentioned, though, that sad watch story. I'm very sad. Um, about the, you know, I can just imagine that what that one special thing is taken away. I wondered bef before I ask you my final question, can you remember then, um, just as you say, one of those happy things that stuck in your mind from primary school is, is there just to counterbalance, you know, that negativity, what's, what's a lesson or a project or something really fun you remember from primary, Ken? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I, okay. So I think, uh, funnily enough, same teacher. I, I grew up, I think, in quite a difficult time. I grew up in a, in a coal mining town in the Midlands. Um, oh, wow. Seven, Where, whereabouts? Uh, a little place called Colville. Oh, uh, wow. Amazing. And uh, it, um, that was during the kind of late 70s, early 80s, right back when the, the miners' strikes were happening. Um, and it was, um, uh, it was a real depressing time. Uh, you know, everybody felt pretty miserable for a lot of the time and it was the it was just before the the days of kind of like Ofsted and national curriculums and things like that uh, which gave a bit more kind of accountability to schools I'm not a huge fan of, of Ofsted but I do believe in accountability and, and, and working to schemes and uh, you know and, and not just kind of like being completely off, off the wall and doing your own thing because that's great when you've got an inspiring teacher it's not so good when you haven't got a very good teacher so I think mm -hmm. we need those kind of frameworks I think that, that they're very important um, but this was just before those kind of days so my my infant school was you know and junior school was um was quite dire a lot of the teachers you know there, oh, there was still no. one one teacher who had the slipper uh, that she would What's use the you know, slipper? that that if you were really bad you were sent up to the desk and it would be a whack on the backside with the slipper that she kept in the drawer i'm um, quite, quite genuine it was just in the days when the idea of corporal punishment was um was being kind of outlawed, but the headmaster had a cane in the in the corner of the room. Never used it, but yeah. he had that cane that, and it was there for a reason. Uh, so I was just coming out of those eras. So the junior school teacher I had, who did take the watch off me, but that was because she was absolutely exasperated. It was entirely my fault. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Her name was Mrs. Clayton, and we all loved her. We all oh, adored her. Mrs. And Clayton. She was someone who had a lot of fun. And I, I, probably the thing I remember best was we looked forward to our Friday morning spelling test. We were given a, a load of words that we had to learn at the beginning of the week. We had a whole week to, to, to learn how to spell them. And then mm -hmm. she would test them, and it would be a proper kind of little test. But when she was saying these words, um, and she was saying them out loud, she'd always use the word in context. And it would always be something uh, funny. So she'd say, you know, the next Aww. word is skipping. I saw Ken skipping through the <laughs> daisies or something like that. 
kind oh, of roaring adorable. with laughter. And that was every week. It was like, imagine that, a spelling test being one of your favourite parts I of the week. And it was. We that. all loved it just for her little quips and, and jokes. And it was always at our expenses, but it was it was so much fun. And, it was, uh, and, and she was adored, absolutely adored by beautiful. generations of kids. That's so beautiful. And for, for any educators listening... Why not steal, if you're doing a spelling test with your children, steal Ken's top tip there of his reflection, <laughs> something he loved. Put the sentence into context using the kids' names. I'm sure some of you do, but what a lovely, lovely thing. Making spellings fun. Fantastic, Ken. Thank you. Um, so I can't believe we've only got five minutes left, Ken. Time flies <laughs> when we are having fun here on Teachers Talk Radio. But I've just got the last question I wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one that my students and I talk about a lot on campus. And, and I wonder if I what I think I wonder if you're going to say similar to what I think but I'm not going to say what I think yet um and what my students think because this is quite a contested um question I think so I wonder do you think teaching is just a profession or do you think teaching is a vocation what's your thoughts oh. Oh, without shadow of a doubt, it's a vocation. It absolutely is a vocation, and it should be. Uh, if we want to be inspiring teachers, and I think we, if we're in the game, we, we've, we've got to be inspiring teachers. You don't need to be all singing or dancing and able to juggle or anything like that. You just need to be really invested in your students. And um, I, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, in, in my experience, went back when I was uh, uh, teaching here in, in Cumbria in a school, I say for, for eight years, and mm -hmm. I, I used to open up my, my classroom every lunchtime, every break time. Kids would come up and they would, you know, play on the keyboards and all this kind of stuff um, and uh, and just hang around um, oh, and, uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, towards the end of my time there, I remember there was one particular student who'd been there for for several years and was was a member of our choir and i ran the choir and all that kind of stuff um and um uh, it was a parents evening uh, that i had and her mum uh, said to me you may not realize this but uh, but my my daughter came from uh, a, a a a really bad background with in a previous school where she was bullied very very badly um and um uh, and, and we moved to this school and uh you've made her uh, her her life uh, a safer place because the music department which is where we were based wow. was a safe place for her to be and i had no idea absolutely no idea at all um about her her background of this it was just part of the ethos in the in the, in the whole mm -hmm. department is that this was a place where students could go where they could be safe um they could just enjoy um, and no rivalries or anything like that. Um, just have a laugh, uh, do the stuff it's that we gorgeous. have to do, um, and and get from that. And and I've had that story several times before, where I found out that actually, uh, you know, I might have been the first adult that uh, one of my students talked to about deep issues or problems that they were having at home or things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. um, some students will say you're the first adult who's like I've ever taken me seriously and you know just treated me as an equal and things like that. Um, Love that. That's really important. That way better than accolades, awards, um, uh, Ofsted rankings or anything like. In my mind, when you've got students who mm -hmm. say, "You know what? You 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 made life safe for me. You you made uh, you, you you made what was a difficult time in my life uh, a real pleasure when I was in your department or whatever." And it wasn't just me. Of course, it was the it was the other teachers that were part of that department. We had a real good department. We had laughs with, with, with each other. We were always playing practical jokes on, on each other, and the kids, oh. kids picked up on that. You know, yeah. and it was like Dave was saying with his school. It, uh, you know, it's a family. You know, my, my, I had my A level students making me cups of tea and bringing them into my classes when I was teaching and things like that. It was it was great, and they, oh, they wanted to do it. I never asked them to do. It. They they always wanted to do that because they just love being part of the family there, and mm -hmm. that's important. You can't do that if teaching is just a profession. You go in, you teach your stuff, and you leave again. That's yeah. no good. You've got to be someone who wants to uh, be there for the kids and and realize that you're spending in many cases more time with these kids than their own parents are. But you know because you're spending mm -hmm. huge lengths of time in school, day in day out with them. Um, and if you're doing extra after school stuff and all the rest of it, they may spend more quality time with you for a few short years than they are with their own parents. That puts you in a hugely privileged position. Um, and you can't do that job properly, I think, if you just think of it as a, as a profession. You've got to think of this as being a vocation. You are not just teaching a subject. You're mm -hmm. making a change to these students' lives. Oh, my gosh. What an inspiring note to finish. See, so look, you and Dave were both equally inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. 
And back, and back to something that I really love that stood out for me that you said at the start, when you, when you called yourself a lifelong learner, I think that goes hand in hand with this vocation, you know, yeah. when we want to inspire and support and educate, that's something we strive for in ourselves as well. Um, and so I think that's also, that's what's great about bringing educators together, because I do think we have some similar qualities that we share as well and similar ambition and, and passion. And, and that's why I love things like Teachers Talk Radio. They just get, get a chance to bring us together, you know, and get to hear about the stuff you've been doing. And so I just want to say thank you so much, Ken, for making time to come on the show today. And thank talk you for to having us. me. Thank um, you. Ken, if anyone wanted to contact you or get in touch or follow you, are you happy for anyone to find you on any channels? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook and I think I'm on Instagram as well, if I remember correctly and everything like that. So just either Ken Powell <laughs> oh, or D. Ken Powell, you find me. Yeah, find me on Twitter. Love to chat to people. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ken. And I know anyone who's followed us from the from Teachers Talk Radio on Twitter will see Ken tagged in everything this morning as well. <laughs> uh, and Ken and Dave have both said they're happy for people to reach out. So thank you so much, Ken. And I wish you a wonderful weekend and just keep on inspiring. <laughs> you too, Poppy. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out! Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.